We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Up next, the latest on the Kansas State Wildcats from the guys of Three Maw, John Kurtz, Derek Young, and Cole Manbeck, who will get you caught up on all the things going down in Manhattan. The latest news, top stories, and insider perspectives to keep you in the know. Make sure to hit the follow button so you don't miss anything. Three Maw is proudly presented by Holiday Distillery and their vast assortment of spirits. And now, the latest episode of Three Maw. Welcome into another Three Maw pod. Cole Manbeck joined by Derek Young, as always, publisher and editor at On3 of kstateonline.com. If you guys aren't signed up, you better get over there right now because we're about to talk about K-State football and basketball recruiting, but particularly going to hit on football up front here. Uh, as we've got some huge decisions coming here in the near future for K-State football with some unique official visitors that have been on campus over the past couple of weeks. You might have listened to our pod 10 or so days ago when we kind of previewed these visits that were coming between Grant Bricks, Michael Boganowski, the number one player in the state of Kansas, and then Caden Massey, offensive tackle, who's really blown up on the recruiting trail from Linden, Kansas. We previewed those visits. Well, those visits have all occurred now. And we're going to touch on where we think the decisions are for those kids and where where we think they're going to choose. We're going to get DY's insights, as always, as uh, he's got a lot of great info at kstateonline.com right now over at On3. So if you're not subscribed, make sure you get over there, subscribe, affordable deal, and you're going to spend a lot of time over there and you're going to get hooked, I guarantee you. I know I am, and I know thousands of other K-State fans are as well. So get over to On3. It's a, a great time to be subscribing and checking out the site. Uh, no John Kurtz today. Uh, he is not available, but we hope to have John for another pod that we have planned this week with a special guest. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Uh, we hope to have that one out probably around Thursday this week uh, if everything unfolds like we planned. So look forward to that episode between Derek, John, and I, and a special guest that we plan to have on from K-State football. So stay tuned for that. Uh, before we jump in, do want to bring up once again, you've heard us talk about it the last couple of shows, the uh, KCSN golf tournament on July 29th at Sunflower Hills Golf Course in Bonner Springs. Uh, there's going to be drinks and food there, thanks to our sponsors, Holiday Distillery and Mission Taco. There's going to be prizes, giveaways, a silent auction, and one golfer is going to have a chance to sink a hole-in-one uh, for a million dollars. There's going to be a raffle uh, where they get drawn, and if you sink that hole-in-one, you're going to win a million dollars. Uh, if you want information uh, on the golf tournament, check the link in the description 
of the podcast, or you can also contact Christian Gumminger at kcsnfoundation at gmail.com. Again, that's Christian, K-R-I-S-T-I-A-N, Gumminger, G-U-M-M-I-N-G-E-R at kcsnfoundation at gmail.com. And, and D.Y., maybe if you, uh, if you show up, maybe we can watch and laugh at John Kurtz, try and hit a shot on the course. Maybe, maybe John will be there, and that'll be great entertainment for all of our Three Mall listeners. You could probably hit it better than I can. I'm not a golfer. <laughs> I can't say I'm a great golfer. I, I more so like to uh, have a few drinks with everybody, and uh, usually I'm the one getting laughed at. So I've got some some funny golfing stories that I could share, but we don't have the time for that. So we're here uh, to talk K-State football. And uh, D.Y., I'm going to throw things over to you, and I, I think we'll, guy we'll probably hit on first here is Caden Massey, the offensive tackle from Linden, Kansas, eight-man football just to set the table for you, this is a guy with offers from Nebraska, Oklahoma, Ole Miss, Oklahoma State, Stanford, Missouri, Iowa State, et cetera, you name it. And he went on official visits to Ole Miss, Nebraska, and Oklahoma, and then Kansas State. And K-State got the last visit this past weekend. He was on campus in Manhattan, um, big-time recruit. In fact, he's moving up in the rankings. He's really blown up on the, the recruiting scene. He's a six foot eight, 260, 270 pound offensive tackle, continues to add weight, tremendous length to him. And 24 seven sports actually just moved him to the number 25 offensive tackle in the country and the number one player in the state of Kansas in 24 seven sports ranking. So he passed Boganowski, uh, who is in the on three consensus as the number one light rated player. Um, but if you, even if you look at an on three consensus, Massey is the number 40 offensive tackle in the country and the number three player in Kansas and number 614 player in the country. So DY, where do things stand with Caden Massey and what does your gut instincts tell you on the timing of this recruitment decision made and where do you think he's leading? Yeah, it's, I'm a little, a little surprised. I, I guess for me, everything that I've kind of gathered, uh, leads me to believe that Kansas State's a, per, a considerable leader at this point, and and nowhere that I've kind of gone to, you know, acquire any other intel, have anyone really suggested that they're kind of losing that grip. So part of me is a little bit surprised that it's not a 100% sentiment that he's going to Kansas State because at this point, based on just the folks that I've kind of spoken with that have been around him. Um, and, and other sources that would just intel of his process, I'd just be very surprised if Kansas State didn't win it. And as soon as they wanted to turn up the heat for him and really pursue him as a top target, they fell in love with him when they saw him a few months ago on the basketball court. Um, that kind of confirmed everything that they needed to know from an athleticism standpoint. Like you said, he continues to grow in size. So as soon as they turned up the heat um, and just went all out you know, in their pursuit of him, that really just thrusted them forward. And and then and when it got closer to what we are now at now at the finish line, I think they just thrusted ahead of, you know, I, I would have had Oklahoma as the number two school at one point, but that, it might be Nebraska. It just didn't seem like the visit went very well for the Sooners. Yeah. Well, what's the decision timeline that you're hearing, D.Y., as far as when that will occur for, for Massey? I would be shocked – if he wasn't the first of the three to come off the board and make a college choice, I think, I think all three could come off the board in the next week, regardless of what you kind of see them say in quotes. I think there's a chance that all three are committed somewhere, you know, 
by the Fourth of July weekend. I think that's I think that's a possibility. Um, now, actually, is this the Fourth of July weekend coming up? This is, and I think this is actually the weekend Avery Johnson announced his commitment okay. to Kansas State was July fifth last year. So, so, so I won't say the Fourth of July weekend, the weekend after. I think all three the way that it is trending are going to be committed somewhere by then. I don't think we'll get two weekends from now without all three of them, you know, locked up somewhere. But I think Cade Massey's the, will be the first to pop. And I really do think it's going to be in the favor of K-State. I mean, just how big time of a get would he be, D-Y? It's funny because there's been kind of a malaise that's kind of set over, I think, in general for Kansas State fans. We were kind of having this conversation in, in text messages, I think, uh, when they got their last commitment with Kyle Rakers and Kurtz kind of brought it up, but you're not as astonished when they pull off a recruitment like this anymore. I, at one point, if Chris Kleiman and company would have got a guy like Kyle Rakers or Kane Massey with their offer list, I think our, our mouths would have been on the floor. But at this point, nearly every kid they land has an offer list of that magnitude or at least close to it, or at least, um, in the neighborhood of a double-digit Power 5 offers. And Kate Massey is probably even another level just because of what some of those offers are. I mean, there's an SEC school in there in Ole Miss. You got Oklahoma, Nebraska, Michigan State. Uh, like you said, he really blew up at one point, uh, I think, when everyone got their eyes on him during the spring evaluation period. So I, I think this is a significant recruiting win if they can pull it off. And I – you know, it's hard to really put the perspective on it because it's going to fall short of some of the guys that they've landed, but that kind of tells you where the recruiting profile of Kansas State is right now. I mean, when you think about it as from a K-State fan perspective and you see Oklahoma and Nebraska and some of the schools on the offer list and official visit list for a guy like Caden Massey and you look at winning that recruitment potentially, I mean, again, he would have been one of the best players in the classes of the past and somebody that you would have been surprised to beat out those schools for. So significant recruiting win if it does unfold in the way that you think dy so we'll certainly have our eyes peeled for that one um you know i'm actually going to throw you a little bit of a curveball here um, because i want to touch on boganowski and bricks in the second segment after we go to break so real quick anything on the caleb red recruitment front the defensive end from st louis who i, I think you think he's down to kentucky and K-State, he had an Oklahoma offer at one point. I don't remember if he had Nebraska too, but talented defensive end from St. Louis. And I think he was on on campus for an official visit this past weekend. Anything updates there? I know he's been kind of quiet about his recruitment. Yeah, he actually has like offers from Oklahoma, USC. Um, at one point, he had, he had official visits scheduled to both USC and Oklahoma. Now those got eliminated. And like you said, it's down to Kansas State and Kentucky. I just checked back on that not long ago, earlier today, actually. And there's just not a lot of confidence either way of uh, where that one's going to fall, but it continues to be a pretty tight battle between the two Wildcats, Kansas State and Kentucky. K-State hasn't lost to Kentucky uh, in a minute, so we'll see if that holds. I don't know what it's like to lose a recruiting battle to Kentucky or you know lose on the basketball court or anything. You gotta get them scheduled in football as well. Hey, uh, all right, so a lot of people came to tune in also for Michael Boganowski, Grant Bricks updates. Can Kansas State land the number one ranked player for back-to-back -back years for the first time in the state of Kansas? We're going to find out. We're going to throw to break first, and then we're going to talk about Grant Bricks, a top 100 recruit, and Michael Boganowski, the number one player in the state of Kansas, and get DY's assessment of where those recruitments sit. 
Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. KC Sports Network. All right, we're back. uh, And we're going to talk about the number one player in the state of Kansas first, Michael Boganowski on three consensus as him as the number one player. I know I just mentioned 24 seven has him as the Caden Massey as the number one ranked player, but the other recruiting services have Boganowski number one junction city product, six foot two, 195 pound athlete. Some schools like him at safety. Some schools like him at linebacker offers from Michigan, Florida state, Stanford, K state, Oklahoma, Nebraska. I think he's got a Nebraska offer, right? DY. Boganowski should be, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So, and he took official visits to Florida State. Correct me if I'm wrong on any of these. He took officials to Florida State, to Stanford, to KU, to K State, and to Oklahoma. He correct. just came off. He went to Oklahoma the week prior, the weekend prior to this one, this last one, and then he K State got the last visit and had a chance to close. Where do you think the recruitment on Boganowski sits as we sit here today? I think he's probably – I just get the vibe that he's pretty torn between the two, Kansas State and Oklahoma still. I mean, he went on those visits to KU, you know, Stanford, Florida State, but I don't think either of those three ever thought that they were squarely in it. I think proximity to home, which is going to be a trend probably in this segment because we're going to touch on Grant Bricks as well, um, is going to play a little bit of a factor here and probably nullifies the chances for both Stanford and Florida State though his head was turned by both of those programs. So, uh, you know, if you make a prediction here, you're, you're going to have a 50-50 chance of being right, 50-50 chance of being wrong. That's why I really haven't had one yet because it's just too tight to really put your neck out there um, on an official note for either one. That's I think that's how tight it is between Kansas State and Oklahoma. What I will say is that I think whatever – needle needed to be moved for Kansas State to win the recruitment. They did that with his recruiting uh, official visit. I think it was an impressive uh, few days in Manhattan for the family. Uh, you get the, you kind of get the notion that the family probably wants to make Kansas State as well. Um, there's certainly that vibe and the, that impression that you can get. But just the personable, per, you know, individual aspect that Kansas State was able to provide on the official visit, I think that really resonated because – he didn't necessarily get that at his other stops. I mean, if when you go to visit Oklahoma and Nebraska, I know he didn't visit Nebraska, but those two schools in general is what I think of when it comes to this. They bring in like 20, 30 official visitors at a time, and it's hard to get that one-on-one individual 
you know, special, you know, targeted kind of visit that Kansas State really was able to present each and every one of their targets during the month of June. Well, and everybody preaches family, right? But uh, K-State actually really practiced it on this visit. Uh, you look at Boganowski's recruiting profile and his photos from his visit, his older or his younger brothers are in the photos with him in his recruiting profiles. And it's a really cool thing. His, his youngest brother and then next youngest brother are uh, there. And I, I think his, his second old youngest brother camped at K-State over the last week as well. So that was a cool, cool setting to look at those pictures as well. And, you know, I think DY, you mentioned on your site, a latest article, I don't want to give away premium information, but you, you maybe have a slight, slight lean to Oklahoma, but you, you, it's really close to 50, 50 at this point, right? Yeah. For about a month or two, I think I've been slight lean, <laughs> excuse me, to Oklahoma. I, I don't even know if that exists anymore. Right. So it's, I don't. I'm not. I didn't want to come off of that because I don't know anything new other than the Kansas State visit was really impressive, and I know the family was certainly, you know, knocked off their feet by it. But there's just no hints or clues coming out of it, and he was definitely torn going into those two trips. And remind everyone, Boganowski's dad, father, played for Steve Stannard. Is that right, or were they teammates? They played for him at New Mexico State. Okay. So there's a relationship there, and obviously K-State's recruiting Boganowski likely at the linebacker position. So his position coach was the same man who coached Boganowski's father from Junction City, 15 miles away. D.Y., do you, do you think that actually hurts K-State's chances just because he's so close to, to Manhattan? Like a lot of these kids just want to get away from home. Yeah, you know, maybe, but the fact that proximity to home is playing a factor I don't know that those two things really correlate at all. Um, you got to remember, he's also not from Kansas, so um, yeah. he, didn't, he didn't grow up here. So I, I don't see it as a, a you know as a preventative factor. Uh, an interesting note, you know, obviously Standard being having that connection to Boganowski. Coach Stanford's son is a recruit right now too, a high school, going to be a high school senior, I believe, in Max Stanford, plays for Manhattan High School. And they visited New Mexico State together, Boganowski and Stanford. So that was just an interesting nugget. They went on that visit together. Yeah, uh, that's very interesting. Uh, so, I mean, you're seeing a consistent theme, K-State going up against Oklahoma, schools like Nebraska, and a lot of these recruitments. Boganowski also had offers from Washington, Tennessee, and, uh, and several others. And last year was the first time K-State landed the number one player in the state of Kansas when they landed Avery Johnson, since you have to go back to 2004 and Matt Boss and the on three consensus. Um, Matt Boss was the last time K-State landed the number one ranked player in the state prior to Avery. And, you know, you could look at 2013, 24-7 had Tanner Wood as the number one player in the state on three consensus, had him as the number two player in the state in the 2013 class. Needless to say, it would be significant to land the top-ranked player in the state back-to-back -back years, especially the top-ranked player with the recruiting stature and some of the programs you're going up against on the recruiting trail for those guys in Boganowski and Avery. So stay tuned on that one. Hopefully a decision here in the next week or two uh, following his official visit that occurred to K-State. Hopefully K-State was able to close the deal would be a major, major piece to the 2024 high school recruiting class for Kansas State. And personally, right. personally, I would still have Boganowski number in my number one. Um, 
It's interesting now, though, if you think about it, because I'm just looking at these rankings, of course. For my personal ones, I still have Michael Boganowski one. I think I would have Caden Massey two. So I would I agree, I agree with the jump that he's starting to make across those networks. And three, I would be pretty torn on who to put three between Gus Hawkins, who's already committed to Kansas State, and Gavin Hoffman, who is the tight end at Blue Valley Northwest that Kansas State has not offered, but a lot of people have offered. That's just because Kansas State doesn't really have a need of tight end. He is really good, um, Gavin Hoffman. Although Kansas State um, has taken two tight ends the last two classes, that's why it's not important in this cycle. And there's two or three other ones that they're really going to fall in love with in 2025, two of those being in-state with Lincoln Cure. Um, uh, for some reason, I'm forgetting what high school Lincoln Cure is from, small school. He just got offered um, after a camp performance. And Goodland? Then, uh, is he out in Goodland, D.Y.? Goodland, yeah. He's almost in Colorado. And yeah. then Desan uh, Bram Brom from Derby. Um, and then the, – he might state receiver. He could grow into a tight end. It'll be interesting to see what happened with Braden Lofton's younger brother, who just got offered by Kansas State, also has offers from Oklahoma, Nebraska, and Iowa State. Attends a different high school. He's actually on the Omaha side of the border. So he doesn't go to the same high school that Braden went to, but Chase Lofton was just offered by the Wildcats too. So that's kind of why, if everyone's wondering why they haven't offered Gavin Hoffman out of Blue Valley Northwest, who might be my number three, number four player in the state. Uh, that That's why. And then John Price would come in after those two. Uh, you'll see some, I think, rankings changes because my I would anticipate all the networks probably continuing to push B.J. Kennedy down the list a little bit. He's a guy that was like at first, you know, because of his size, was one that everyone loved. And, and obviously that's kind of dissipating at this point. But I did want to say it's interesting because Michael Boganowski, as I was saying, my number one player would be on my personal rankings. But as you said, 247, I was Kate Massey, number one yep. in the state of Kansas. And on three, I didn't. I don't know if this changed, but Gus Hawkins is the number one player in the state of Kansas. Yeah, and, and you mentioned John Price, D.Y. So John Price, running back out of Blue Valley that's committed to Kansas State over Iowa and Oklahoma State. Uh, you know, ESPN has him as the number one ranked player in the state of Kansas. Everybody and, has a different one. <laughs> yeah, and twenty-four set or two-four-seven has Price as the number three player in the state. So very highly thought of. Rivals has him as the number three player in the state. So three of the recruiting services have Price in the top three, and then on three has him as the number six player in the state of Kansas. So it just varies, but obviously a talent. Yeah, I would have Price after the those four that I mentioned, Hoffman, Massey, Boganowski, and Hawkins. So yeah. I would have price five. And, and Boganowski's recruiting profile grade in the on three consensus of an 89.2 would place him last year, DY, in the 2023 loaded class in the state of Kansas as the number five recruit just ahead of Jordan Allen, I believe, in, in that class. And Jordan Allen's a heck of a get. So we talked about where he would fit in the profile of the 23 class previously on another show. So I just thought I'd throw that in there. That's a proper um, perspective too, because and, and not nothing against these five, six recruits that we're kind of talking about that are the top guys in the 2024 class, but something we alluded to even before these recruitments really got going is across the board, 24 is pretty significantly down when you compare it to the 23 group, um, especially the 23 group, which was impressive, but also the 25 group that's about to come through. Um, that's going to be, and th those top four or five and 25, there's a chance that I maybe would take them over the top five and 23, which is yeah. saying something. Yep.
All right. Well, speaking of top tier recruits, we're going to talk about the highest ranked one now that's on the K-State board in terms of Grant Bricks, the number 83 player in the entire country in the on three consensus offensive lineman from Logan, Iowa, six foot six, 275 pound offensive lineman can play tackle, can play guard on three consensus. Again, we talked about it before, has him as the number one interior offensive lineman in all of America. K-State is right there swinging for a home run here. He was on campus for an official visit the weekend before this past one. Since then, he took visits to Alabama, to Tuscaloosa on official visit, and he announced that they offered while he was on the visit. And then Bricks also visited Nebraska on an official this last weekend. Sounds like it's really probably between Nebraska, Oklahoma, and Kansas State, D.Y. Where do you think things sit in Bricks' recruitment? Uh, the, the Alabama offer is something I'm sure he's proud of and well-earned. I just, you know, talking to folks that are pretty connected over in Tuscaloosa as well, it doesn't sound like the offer resonated. Um, it was a home run trip. Uh, I'm sure everything that Alabama does is pretty high, high uh, upper echelon, high tier. Um, you get blown away. But being close to home, was always a factor, and I think it's becoming an increasingly more important factor for Bricks, and that's probably why I don't know that Alabama will receive heavy consideration moving forward. I think that's also why Notre Dame fell out of the picture, and we'll see what to make of it, but I'm starting to hear now Oklahoma could be fading just a bit. Um, that'll be interesting if that's the case, and if proximity again is playing it. Now, Oklahoma's not that far, but you know, if it's coming more and more of a factor, then maybe you want to focus on the schools that are closer and closer to you. Um, just a guy that's kind of grown up in a lifestyle and appreciates and enjoys a lifestyle that is pretty synonymous with what a you know a rural school in Kansas can provide. And and I think that's why Kansas State has been, you know, one of the major contenders for our services uh, day in and day out. Um, it helped them that they were the, the first on the recruitment, the first ones to believe in them, the ones that had them on campus the most, that recruited them the hardest. Uh, this will be a recruitment, if they are to win it, well-deserved of winning if you're Kansas State. And, you know, in terms of this perspective and where it would rank and what it would mean and, and how good of a prospect he is, it is very – comparable to the situation regarding Avery Johnson last year in terms of rankings and just prestige of the recruit. So it would be significant. But if push came to shove right now, you put a gun to my head and you're asking me to kind of handicap where this recruitment is going. Um, I think it's trending towards it now where I thought it was maybe a battle between Kansas State and Oklahoma for a while. And I think a lot of folks within that recruitment felt that way. I think now you're probably looking at maybe Kansas State versus Nebraska. Who's he going to pick? Give me your prediction. Just because uh, I think he can get a little bit of everything you want to Kansas State. I would pick Kansas State. I, I'm not – I don't think I have enough information to make it like an official prediction, or, you know, on the RPM or, or crystal ball, you know, whatever one, anyone wants to use for, for, you know, to describe it. But I don't think I have enough intel to just say I'm pretty solidly convinced that he's going somewhere. But if forced to make one, I would go Kansas State because it kind of satisfies the proximity to home. I think it satisfies, you know, kind of his lifestyle. It satisfies his relationships and contacts because I think they're the most powerful 
in Manhattan, and I think he's the most comfortable there. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they don't get him, but if if forced to make a prediction, I think Kansas State is the wisest choice at the moment. Log that crystal ball prediction, D.Y. Put it in. Bricks to Kansas State. You know you want to. Just do it. Now, yeah. yeah, yeah. He's uh, landing a top 100 type recruit back-to-back years in a recruiting class would be a huge deal for Kansas State. And Bricks would probably be in that top three or four all-time commit list since these rankings were really being tracked dating back to 04, 05, you know, between Josh Freeman, Avery Johnson, and then Grant Bricks. So would be a monstrous land. You know, you mentioned a DY, but offers from Notre Dame, Penn State, Tennessee, Auburn, Miami, Oklahoma, Nebraska, you know, uh, Alabama. He's got offers from everywhere. To beat out those schools would be quite the deal. And I think he mentioned he wants to major in agriculture too. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's, that's a pretty big deal, yeah. obviously. I don't know that – I don't know the other schools well enough. I'm, I'm sure that that opportunity exists at Oklahoma and Nebraska as well, but – Nah, not at Oklahoma, but uh, no, I don't know. I, Nebraska certainly would probably, but um, Kansas State, like you said, I think they probably have the best relationship here. I mean, six visits to Manhattan since his recruitment unfolded. So stay tuned, not only to the Three Maw Pod, because we will have emergency pods or breaking news pods, hopefully when these recruitments unfold and the commitments come out, if they are for Kansas State. It depends, obviously, on the timeline. If it's a holiday weekend, maybe not be able to make it work out. But be sure to check out On3 and KSetOnline.com. Again, if you're not subscribed, go there and track the latest on these recruitments. Uh, Derek will have all the info, and Drew Galloway over there at On3 will have all the information tracking these. All right, we're going to throw to one quick break and just wrap up on a little bit of basketball recruiting front, a couple of planned visitors, official visitors that are transfers in the portal, potentially making their way to Manhattan here in the next week, uh, courtesy of Bob Huggins getting fired. So we're going to touch base on that and then wrap this pod up. So we'll take a break now and come back and talk a little hoops. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. Okay, we're back, and now we're going to talk a little bit of basketball. We're going to switch to the hardwood and talk about a couple of official visitors that may be making it to Manhattan this week. One of them was supposed to be in Manhattan already, but due to travel issues, as some of you might have seen, flights being canceled all over the country. Yesterday, DY actually had the scoop and uh, informed me in a group text that Joe Toussaint, point guard transfer from West Virginia that entered the portal last week, was not able to make it to Manhattan as planned, was supposed to arrive on Monday and leave Wednesday for an official visit and then go to Texas Tech. The flight delays and everything caused issues there. So he has now flipped the schedule and he will visit Texas Tech first today and Wednesday and arrive in Manhattan on Thursday. So DY, Joe Toussaint to me, for those that don't know, he averaged a little more than nine points per game this last year at West Virginia, a little under three assists. He's he's played four years of college basketball, three years at Iowa, and then one year at West Virginia. He started 40-plus games, played in 130 games or so in his college basketball career. He seems like a perfect fit for that kind of sixth-man Desi Sills role, depth piece that can come in off the bench, give you energy, give you a spark, experienced ball handler, can score a little bit, um, plays hard-nosed on-the-ball defense. 
to me, this seems like a home run get that arrived late in the portal process as a grad transfer. What, what are your thoughts on Toussaint as a player? Yeah, this is why they don't, you know, the staff doesn't necessarily panic or, or rush to take someone that isn't deserving because if you are patient, sometimes you are left with a spot to claim someone of this prestige, of this of this caliber. Because uh, now I don't know what kind of role they'll, they'll force CM as or, but obviously he's someone that kind of gives you that energy firecracker type mentality that perhaps you miss with Desi Sills, who's, uh, you know, a lot of speed and explosion. And you kind of get that with Toussaint, someone that really embraces the defensive side of the ball, just the way Desi Sills did as well Um, from New York, checks off a lot of the boxes that Jerome Tang has kind of laid out in terms of criteria when asked about filling the last two spots, he wanted an older guard, you know, tough minded, you know, got, you know, you always want some winner. So, I mean, Joe Toussaint, um, it would be his third school. He started at Iowa um, as well. So um, where his career began with Fran McCaffrey, and then he went to Bob Huggins. So Jerome Tang is going to take a swing here. But like you said, I think it makes a lot of sense just because of all the boxes that it does check. I, I like a couple things here. I like that he's competed at the high major level, obviously in the big 10 and knows the big 12 footprint. Well, playing at West Virginia He's played a ton of games. Bob or Jerome Tang mentioned he wanted a guard. He wanted two guards that played 90-plus games. We got Tyler Perry, who really, if you count Juco and his time in North Texas, is a very, very experienced guard. And then Joe Toussaint would be that other really experienced piece that's been around the block that you could add into the fold. I like that he's willing to come off the bench, D.Y. I mentioned he's played over 130 games in his career. He's only started 42 at Iowa in his three years there. He never played 20 minutes per game in his three seasons at Iowa. Every year he was around 18 minutes or under per game for the Hawkeyes. At West Virginia this this last year, he came off the bench 33 of the 34 games, started one game, averaged 22 22 minutes a game, and averaged nine and a half points per game. One of the things I I really like, D.Y., if you actually look at his per 40 numbers, his per 40 numbers are pretty darn good. So if he would play 40 minutes – he would average 17.4 points, 4.8 assists per game, and 1.6 steals. This last year, while at West Virginia, he had an offensive rating of 109 this year at West Virginia. And if you look at his offensive rating through the years, he went from a 95 at Iowa as a freshman, a 94 as a sophomore, to 105 as a junior, to 109 as a senior at West Virginia this last year. So his offensive rating has climbed. His defensive rating's not great, but defensive ratings are fickle. You know, he's a, he's a hard-nosed, on-the-ball defender. And when I talk about his per-40 numbers of 17.4 points and 4.8 assists, you know, the year prior to that, he was at like six and a half assists on a per-40. Well, look at a guy like Desi Sills per-40 this year. 12 points, three assists, 4.7 rebounds, offensive rating of 105.7. So I'm not saying Joe Toussaint's going to be better than Desi Sills, but to give you a perspective – this is a guy that really does fit that role and can be a guy that could maybe take off an average 10 a game, you know, getting 20 minutes a game or more. Yeah. And at least in this past year, he was a better shooter from the three point line as well. Um, actually significantly better, but you know, Desi Sills was pretty streaky in, in that area and it came and went, but I don't think anyone would call Desi Sills a poor shooter by any means, but just statistically Tucson was significantly better in that, in that particular category. Yep. Yep. And uh, so I would love to get Toussaint in Manhattan. He certainly fits a vital role that they're looking for. Uh, I think John Rothstein tweeted, Rothstein tweeted today, actually, that 
He's obviously visiting Tech, then K-State. He might make a day trip to Alabama. Um, you know, the, the Crimson Tide are trying to get involved late, and for Javon Quinterly announced he would be transferring from the program, so they're trying to get in on him. He mentioned potential Zoom calls with Gonzaga and Miami. So, you know, this is a recruitment that ideally K-State would like to lock down soon, not to mention West Virginia would love to try and keep him in Morgantown with the the new head coach and Josh Eilert, Kansas Kansas guy, Kansas State grad that the, the Mountaineers promoted to head coach. So hopefully K-State gets him into town this week as planned and they can lock that commitment down because to me he's he's a tremendous fit for this program. D.Y., anything to add on Toussaint? No, just uh, he may be joined by his teammate, Mohamed yep. Wagyu, um, a big that kind of fits what Kansas State wants from a stylistic standpoint. Uh, very young. Sometimes bigs take a little bit longer to develop. You saw that with Jarrell Colbert, um, of course, with who redshirted this past year and will be ready to contribute this season. So you you hope he makes sense from that standpoint. So you want to fill your last two spots with two Mountaineer transfers. That would be ideal. And Wagyu, you hope, is now ready to, you know, be a more significant contributor because a lot of the traits that Kansas State desires are prevalent in his game. You know, I'm glad you brought up Wagyu. So, first of all, it sounds like there's a possibility he's visiting, like you said, with Toussaint at the same time, which would be a nice touch. Those two played together. Yeah, that's yeah. also the Rothstein. That's not me. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah that's Rothstein. Credit to him. He Rothstein mentioned he's visiting DePaul currently, I believe. Uh, could be a, a battle between DePaul and Kansas State. Just to give everyone some background on Wagyu, so he averaged a little more than four points and three rebounds per game this past year in his first year in Morgantown, which doesn't sound impressive, but he was only playing around 11 minutes per game. Uh, he was a first-team junior college All-American coming out of JUCO at Harcum College in Pennsylvania. He averaged 15 points and 12 rebounds per game while making 65% of his shots in his only season at Harcum College. They went 32-3 and three in the season that he was there. So he's won games, and he led junior college basketball, all of the JUCO ranks, in offensive rebounding. Offensive rebounding, he had 170 offensive rebounds to lead junior college basketball, and total rebounds with over 400 rebounds. So big-time rebounder, averaged, I think, close to two block shots per game as well. Uh, this is a guy that would be a really nice piece, six foot 10, 225-pound forward, he was a sophomore this last year. He's from the Bronx, just like Joe Toussaint. And we know K-State's got the New York City connection and that vibe going for it. And just on a per 40-minute front, D.Y., because I mentioned his numbers aren't all, all that impressive, but if you look at the per 40, he would have averaged 15 points and 12 rebounds per game just this last year while at West Virginia if it was accounted for over 40 minutes. So – he made 74% of his shots from the floor, probably mostly dunks and putbacks, right, um, for the Mountaineers this last year. But a guy that has really impressive per 40 numbers, and you look at David Gasson, for example, he was 13 points and seven rebounds. Bebe was 12 and 10. And I'm talking about a guy here that was 15 and 12 this last year on a per 40 basis. So some potential to work with there. Big-time rebounder can be a shot blocker think he'd be a really nice add as well to this class. And he, I want to mention one more thing. He, he didn't play after February 20th this last year. He only played 28 games. He suffered a stress fracture in his foot, so he missed the last few games of the season. But really athletic big that I'm sure Kansas State would love to get a hold of. Yeah, I would, I would guess that they're trying to sprint ahead for both at this point. They both fit ideally what you would want in the final two spots. 
Yeah, and he had 10 points and 10 rebounds in the Big 12 opener in Manhattan against K-State this last year. So he had a double-double in that matchup. And, uh, you know, his actual per 40 at West Virginia was 15.6 points and 11.6 rebounds, just as I'm looking at my notes to give you guys the exact numbers. Offensive rating of 126.5 and defensive rating of 99. So really good numbers across the board. So this could play out really well for K-State if they could land those two pieces to round out the class. And I think everybody would be pretty ecstatic with what they were able to do in the portal. So Another reason to not completely jump the shark and panic, like <laughs> what kind of set in as well. And, and that's not a direct shot at anybody, but man, th- things can take so many twists and turns in college basketball. The, the off season is, is never non-existent. There's always something. I mean, there was a high major job available, you know, a few days ago. They're now the, the portal is all of a sudden a little bit heavier with talent. And they'll say, yeah, but it's all like these fluke things that happened. It was the fluke thing when Keontae Johnson was available last year and a fluke thing because of West Virginia's situation this year. Well, guess what? You know, flukes do happen. Um, and those are sort of flukes where those players become available, of course. But one or two of those situations does happen every year. And you do want – and it and probably is, you know, critical to perhaps not hastily fill up with guys that maybe aren't of a tier that you would typically recruit just because someone is more talented is going to be available later. It almost always happens that way. West Virginia was blessed with that situation last year when they got Jose Perez from Manhattan because they still had a transfer spot available. Yep. D.Y., you're talking to John Kurtz there. Let's just make sure. John, message delivered to you. Do not jump the shark, okay? You know, don't be calm like D.Y. and I, and always be optimistic and positive. Oh, you were you you panicking a little. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what you're talking about. It was a ray of sunshine and optimism. No panic in my voice. Everything is fine. Uh, no, yeah, it, it, it'll be a good way to round out the class. Stay tuned for the three-mile pod. We'll, We'll talk about it if K-State's able to land those commitments or any other recruitment updates on the basketball front. In addition to the football front, hopefully we have some good news pods to deliver to you guys here in the near future on football and basketball. In the meantime, we are excited to have another pod for you hopefully later this week with a special guest that I mentioned earlier. So be on the lookout for that. And as always, thanks to our friends at Holiday Distillery and 360 Vodka. My neighbors are big time bourbon drinkers, guys. And I was out drinking with them last Friday in their driveway. And what did they pull out of their bag? I mean, these guys drink really high class bourbon. And they pulled out a, a bottle of Ben Holiday Bond bourbon. And they're not K State fans, so they don't listen to the pod. But I told them that Holiday Distillery was our lead sponsor, and they were taken aback and really excited about that. So I had to throw in that, that story. Uh, ben Holiday Bottled and Bond bourbon is a fan favorite and a favorite in my neighborhood that uh, my, my, Bourbon snob neighbors know. I, I don't mean it that way. They're just great, um, like to drink. So get your Ben Holiday bottled and bond bourbon. Get your 360 vodka. Thanks to them, great K-State folks who support us on the Three Mob Pod. For Derek Young, I am Cole Mambeck. I want to thank you guys all for listening to the Three Mob Pod and stay tuned for many more to come over the next couple of weeks. Thank you for listening to KC Sports Network. We appreciate your support. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard. You can find all six of our channels covering the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network.